Hey, it's Michael, and this is the Kintsugi Podcast. I'll be back in a minute with this week's conversation about resilience. But first, if you wish to create a better life and have a better career, then please visit michaelobrienshift.com and download your free workbook on how to create a better life. In it, you'll discover ways to find more energy for the things and the people who matter most to you so you can create a better tomorrow. Hey there, it's Michael, and welcome back, or welcome to the Kintsugi Podcast, season number two. If you were with us in season number one during 2020, thank you for starting this journey with us. Last year was, well, it was one for the books. This year is probably gonna be another one for the books. We're gonna have to tap into our resilience, our agility, and each other. So today I wanna start off with a question. Have you ever felt you were missing your life, that you were so busy, or you've been so busy on your hamster wheel that you've missed your life? If you've answered yes, I know how you feel because that's how I was prior to my last bad day, my cycling accident that I talk about here on the Kintsugi Podcast. Back then, I thought I had to do more to be more. So I spent all my time just on my hamster wheel, 24-7, 365. I thought I'd be happy when I got promoted, got that fancy car, all that stuff. And here's the thing, I caught it sometimes and I was happy and then it would just sort of fly away and I went back to chasing. I hopped back on my hamster wheel. So one of the things I write about in my memoir, Shift, Creating Better Tomorrows, is the need to be present so we can be awake, so we can see this beautiful gift that we all have called life. Well, today's interview is with a mensch, a guy with some beautiful energy, Corey Mascara. He grew up in the New York area, Now he's internationally known as a meditation teacher. Dr. Oz has named him one of the best. He spent some time as a monk. He's written an awesome book called Stop Missing Your Life. That's the foundation of our interview today. He also has a wonderful podcast called Practicing Human and quite a significant following on Instagram. So each month in our Leadership Academy, and if you're looking for guidance in the new year, I will encourage you to check out the Leadership Academy to have the life that you want to have, to help you have the career that you wish to have. If you're a corporate warrior, it could be the perfect thing you need in your life. Well, each month we pick a theme and we dive into that theme. We profile a book, an author, and we try to bring that author in to bring their book to life. In December, since it was the month of presence, we worked on being present. So our book of the month was from Corey Mascara our guest today, his book, Stop Missing Your Life. And so we dive deep into his book and I know you're gonna love his energy. I know you're gonna love the wisdom he shares and I encourage you to check him out. I'll put all of his contact information in our show notes. But now I just want you to sit back, tune in, be present and listen to our conversation about how we can live life fully and stop missing our lives. Enjoy. Corey, great to be with you today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Michael. Yeah, it's been a while since we first met each other. A lot's happened in the world, and we're going to talk about all that. But I want to start in the category that it always involves a girl, or sometimes it always involves a guy. 
So for people who don't know your journey and your story with mindfulness and just the whole notion of staying present, I was hoping you could share that story of when it started with a girl and how it led you to this moment in time. Yeah. So for those who are confused, I think when we think of a meditation teacher or someone that does this kind of work, there there's maybe an implicit assumption that they got into this for really noble reasons, or they were just really stressed and it was a, a last ditch resort. I didn't get into any of this for any noble reasons or because of any particular stress. Uh, I was trying to impress my hippie girlfriend in college. She was in a meditation and I, I wanted her to think I was cool. So I started meditating. <laughs> and um, yeah, there wasn't a happy ending in that one sense because she broke up with me shortly after that. But there was a different happy ending, which was that the the pain of that breakup actually caused me to take the meditation practice more seriously. Uh, I went through this period of um, a lot of despair and confusion. I mean, I was only 20 at the time, but a breakup at that time felt significant in my life. And so just had all of these thoughts about what did I do wrong or what's wrong with me or how can I get this person back? And it was really a form of inner torment. And I found through this this practice that there was a way to be in relationship to what was happening internally that actually created more spaciousness and ease. Like I could let myself experience what I was experiencing without shutting it out, suppressing it but not be totally consumed by it, which was a, a revelation. And a simple example of that, I just, I just remember lying on my dorm room bed and all I was doing was just focusing on my breath. It was really simple, like inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. Um, but I'd watch these thoughts move through my mind, the same thoughts that were creating so much distress for me of, of like, you're an idiot, What's, you shouldn't have done this, like thinking through all these past scenarios. And I just saw that I could... I could just watch them move through my mind. You know, this is like mindfulness 101, but it, I'd never gotten this training before. I was like, oh, wow, that's a thought and I can observe it. And I don't have to like create more thoughts around it. I don't have to resist. It. I don't have to fight. I don't even have to try to shut it out. Just like let it be there. And the metaphor I was using was like just watching a cloud pass through the sky. And it was wild to me that I could, I could be relaxed in my body or more relaxed in my body and watch all of this mental activity move through me at the same time. And, and that was the beginning. That was an opening into a, a, a real seat of curiosity for what's going on here? And how come I never got this training to understand how to navigate my mind, train my mind, be in relationship to my life and my internal experience? While that was going on, I was simultaneously questioning some of the my, my career path. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I was planning to go into finance. And, um, and there was just something about this exploration of what felt like happiness. It felt like there was, I was slowly getting in touch with not only the experience of more happiness and peace, um, but a pathway to, to really go deeper into that. And my father at the time was a physician who was also doing some self-study in mindfulness from like a, a scientific perspective, just understanding how does this relate to health and well-being. It was very fortunate and privileged that he was able to provide me with guidance. I think a lot of you could imagine a lot of scenarios where you like come home and you talk to your parents, especially like the father-son dynamic or the stereotypical father-son dynamic. It could be like, okay, that's cute, but like go get a job. 
And and he said, you know, this is if you want to explore this, you can. You could go deeper, and and there's science behind it, and there's a, a path. And he gave me these books. The first one was called Full Catastrophe Living by John Kabat-Zinn, and I just read every word of that book, and and it was like, um, as Robin Williams says in. Uh, in Dead Poet Society, we don't read poetry; we let it drip from our tongues like honey. It felt like the words of that book were just dripping from my tongue like honey, and uh, and it was just one of those ineffable things of like I, I don't know why, but I, I have to keep going into this, and and life just kept pushing me in that direction with a hell of a lot of support along the way. But when I graduated college, I, I want my type A personality, just like, if we're going to do this, let's let's do it. And I was meditating 15 minutes a day. And I said, what would happen if we did it 15 hours a day? And, um, and went over to Southeast Asia and temporarily ordained as a monk. And it was a six and a half month silent meditation retreat where we just meditate 14 to 20 hours a day. And, uh, and that was the first real deep dive that set the foundation for my teachings. That's so great. I When I read the book and the passage when you went to your father and said, hey, you know what, like this whole finance career, not for me, I want to sort of pursue happiness and mindfulness and your dad's response. Like it, it, it got, I got choked up, you know, because I do know so many men of a certain age, if they even thought about going to their father and say, hey, I want to pursue like happiness, their dad would have been like, what the heck, you know, like, you know, people my age sort of grew up like, you know, getting spankings and stuff like that. Like there was like an order, right? And there was a male masculinity as far as what it means to be a guy. And for your dad to be that compassionate and that much of a mentor and a, a guide for you, I thought that was that was wonderful. And um, I also want to say, like, I also broke up with a girl. A girl also dumped me in college. And you, you sir. Um, went through the experience in a much more healthy way than I did. So I just spent my time crying in my dorm room, thinking, why me? And you're breathing and <laughs> you're, you're getting your introduction to mindfulness. And I'm just like, uh, how, can I, how can I seek revenge on her? Like, I'm going to get back to her. I'm going to date someone better. You know, just all that stuff. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those were some of the thoughts moving through the sky like clouds. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're, for me they were like rainstorms or thunderstorms. Uh, so I just, so I just loved, loved the journey that you were on. Now I know you you wrote the book and released the book before all of this, known as 2020. And I would love, as I was reading, I I just love to get your thoughts on how do you view your work now through this lens known as COVID and Black Lives Matter and the environment. And, and when I think about all the things that have happened this year, one central common denominator is our breath. When you think about how COVID attacks our body, the wildfires scorching the earth and making it difficult to breathe, George Floyd lost his life because his breath was restricted. If you're out of a job right now, you're holding your breath every time you go to the ATM machine to get some cash out. So there's this fundamental for me, like the breath is so focal, so central to what we're going through. I'd just love to ha- hear your commentary on this moment in time and your work since we've all lived this together. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I feel like there's so many angles to approach this uh, response. You know, if we if we think of the breath as representative of like the pulse of life moving through us, I think one of the things we've all been asked to do 
this year is to be more attuned to that within ourselves, within other people, uh, and within our world at large, the, the pulse of the environment, the, the inherent aliveness that is around us and how, um, how disconnected we can be from that in ourselves and other people and the importance of attunement. And so with what we're going through right now, this like deep uh, healing of a deep uh, generational cultural trauma uh, expressing itself through Black Lives Matter uh, and uh, really important conversations around equity, inclusion, justice. If we think about COVID and just like asking us, forcing us all to stop and reconnect to ourselves and other people in ways that maybe we weren't asking for, but had to. Uh, if we think about you know the wildfires in, on the West Coast and just like the fragility of our environment and decisions that have been made all along that have led to this, I, I think it really asks us to to look at how much have we been turning away from? How much have we been gleefully, maybe not gleefully, but um, easily skipping over, passing through, uh, and sort of just going through the motions of our life on automatic pilot? Not as ground to create shame or blame because, I mean, I don't even know. It's hard to say where, where to uh, insert blame from an individual perspective because so much of what we see manifesting right now is just um, uh, from the seeds of things that have been planted many years ago, generations ago, and then even beyond that. So you could trace this back forever. But the, the reality is, you know, what, what's here, we're being asked to confront something and really look at how do we want to be in relationship to other people, ourselves and the world around us, and how easy it can be to disconnect. But the consequences of that, uh, that eventually it's going to build up and, and something's going to have to give and there's going to have to be some form of reconciliation or from a personal perspective, we're going to have to meet stuff within ourselves, good and bad, that we've maybe uh, pushed away, haven't let ourselves experience fully. Stop Missing Your Life. The original title I wanted for that book was Permission to Be Human. It was a, a less sexy title to, um, to market. So the publishers wanted, publisher wanted something else. Uh, and I'm happy, you know, Stop Missing Your Life captures something. But it's really a book about reconnection and looking at all of the ways that we um, compartmentalize our experience. We disconnect from ourselves, from other people, We how easily we get caught up on automatic pilot uh, so that we miss our lives. But so much of that is because we don't give ourselves permission to, to experience what we're feeling. It's too uncomfortable. It's too painful. It's easier to look away or to just keep going or to caffeinate and work. And I mean, how many people listening to this can resonate with that? It's like, oh shit, I had this hard conversation with my partner yesterday, but that feels like a, a hell of a thing to go into. And I have every so much to do in front of me right now. Get the coffee, bury myself into email, bury myself into work. We might enjoy it, but it's also like this, uh, this subtle form of, of not addressing some of the things that are actually most meaningful in our lives. And, and those things build up and the backpack of life or the backpack of our earth just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And eventually it overflows and weighs us down. And in this case, we were just forced to confront it. And I, I think it's um, beautiful for that reason painful in so many ways. And I've like, I'm uh, in a lucky position in that I haven't lost anyone really close to me. I have family on the front line. So there was a lot of fear there. 
and then I've been able to pivot my work. And so uh, it's it's no means to glorify this. Um, but I think with any radical change in history, any meaningful change in history and in a person's life, it's often preceded by great pain and confusion and uh, an abrupt uh, meeting of something. And uh, and we got that. And and how we respond is is up to us now. You know, I love what you just said. I think of my cycling accident as something that happened yeah. for me or through me versus to me. And one of the ways of getting through COVID, and as a family, we all had it. We know people that have had it. We've lost people who've had it. We have people that we know that are on the front lines in hospitals. And so recognizing the pain, suffering, and loss of this moment, which the magnitude is great, but still, it, I still feel like this is happening for us or through us rather than to us. So we can, you know, hold hold two thoughts in our head at the same time. I think, you know, as human beings, we have the ability to, to do that. So then we can take the things that have been spotlighted and address them as we go forward, you know, and we're still probably in the trauma, right? We're still in the tunnel. We, we see the light at the end of the tunnel, maybe with the vaccines coming, but we still have a good several months in front of us. I don't want to even give a number because the predictions of how long this is, how long this will last have all <laughs> missed the mark. So I don't want to give a, even a month, but several months ahead of us that we'll have the energy once we get through the tunnel to create to create a better normal, if you will. Yeah. A note about like this being a trauma. I'm, I mean, all of these things are, are traumas. And trauma is a little complicated because it's, it's less about the experience and more about how the impact of the experience on a system. So much of what we're experiencing is the residual and the processing of trauma uh, from the trauma of colonialism and enslavement to the trauma of uh, pain against the earth, to the trauma of just this pressure cooker of an experience that that creates um, a nervous system response of too much, too soon, too fast, can't process at all, uh, and not safe to process at all. And and so we're just the processing of that involves like feeling and holding that pain in the same way that a therapist helps someone process an individual trauma by by creating space, creating safety for it to be felt, to be heard, to be processed, and then integrated. We are doing that on so many levels. We're doing that at the community level, at the global level. And I think it's really important for us to hold all of that in the context of everything that's arising for other people. Um, for other communities, for our wor- world, like this requires the best of us to continue to to show up and and create that space for all of us to process a lot that hasn't been processed and a lot of pain that was maybe created centuries ago that you might feel disconnected from, but it's just it's in the water that we're swimming in, and the residual of it is there. And and one of the gifts we have right now is to choose how we'll show up and meet all of that to allow that to start to process and integrate. No, great, great point. I know this year has been a a great year of unlearning for me. Mm. Almost the concept of addition through subtraction. Yeah, you know, things growing up that I just thought were true, and through the unpacking of stuff and removing, as you mentioned, maybe some of the stones in my backpack, learning that that is not true. That there is a different version of the truth. Uh, so that is something you need to feel. Like feel what you need to feel, so you can handle what you need to handle. And, and I wanted to ask you about curiosity because you write about it. But, you know, 
I think still so many, like when this all started happening, started happening um, in New York in March, April, May, it was almost a flurry of activity, almost like a period of chaos. Uh, like people started working even more than before and almost like denying what they were feeling in the, mo- in the moment, even though we were feeling a lot. And what we were feeling was very similar to how I was feeling when I was in the first stages of my recovery. So as we finish the year, flip into 2021, are, are there any tips, Corey, you can give to folks around, you know, being able to process this better, the things that they're feeling? And I imagine it ties back to curiosity. So I wanted to get your take on that. Just obviously curiosity of those around us, our environment, but also curiosity of oneself uh, as we continue to process what we need to process because the job probably isn't complete for everyone out there. Right. Yeah, it's a great question. And and it is important to acknowledge people at different stages of this journey. For some, it, it might be like, I'm ready to roar into 2021, set my goals, blast through them. And for others, it's like, I I just, I need space. Like I need space. So we, we can start with that framing. Um, yeah. So in, in the book, I talk about curiosity as the opposite of fear. So if we think of fear as this um, uh, retreating from an experience, turning away from an experience, curiosity pulls us closer. Think of just like a little child, like exploring their world. There, there's an inherent joy to a, a curious mind that's just asking, oh, what's this about? Or what could this be? Or what's here? And we can take that to our life as we think about the future. And we could also take it in relationship to our own experience. If we're going through something painful or uncomfortable or that we're processing, um, you'll often hear mindfulness teachers talk about bringing like a curious awareness to that experience rather than an awareness that is like, okay, I'm going to do this in order to fix myself or heal myself or, or overcome this thing. Like there's a lot of doing in that that can actually perpetuate some of the, the causal mechanisms that caused all the stress in the first place. And so curiosity, it doesn't really have an agenda other than just to understand, like to get to know, oh, what is this like? What is it like to be you right now? And and so anyone like just like, okay, he's talking about processing stuff and feeling like, how do I do that? I just, I would lay down on a bed. Like if you feel like there's some stuff there beneath the surface that you haven't really made space for, or just like the general stuff of day to day, when you notice that arise, you stop you ground yourself, you can feel your feet on the ground or sit down, take a moment, take a breath and just notice like, what is it? Where is that feeling where something's like off or like something's moving through you um, and, and become curious about it. It's like, and, and you can ask yourself, like, what is it like to feel this right now? Uh, that's very different than asking, why am I feeling this? So if you want to create you know, in, internal safety versus internal resistance, shift why am I feeling this to what is it like to feel this? And that itself, just as like a, a soft inquiry, there doesn't need to be anything more than that for, for processing and integration. All of that happens with with space to feel. The emotions know what to do. Like their nature is that of a sine wave. Sadness, um, confusion, these emotions, their, their lifespan is about 90 seconds, but we perpetuate them by not letting ourselves feel them fully or thinking we shouldn't have those feelings. So they kind of rise up, we feel it. And that's where we come in and go, nope, can't feel that or it shouldn't feel that. But if we really create that compassionate, curious presence, 
So it just okay. It eventually passes, and and you'll see this when you when you do that with your own ex- experience, and and so much of life, and and the kind of happiness and well being and fulfillment we're talking about in this kind of work, or I'm talking about in this book, is not getting to a point where all of the variables of your life are perfectly arranged to your liking. Um, because if if you could get to that. And and that was a path to, to happiness. I I'd write that book. I'd be interested. I don't care about meditation. <laughs> I care about I care about well being, fulfillment, goodness, compassion. But it, it just turns out like one, all the variables of your life are never going to match up perfectly and permanently to how you want them to be. And even in the moments when they do, we habituate to it, and then we end up needing something slightly different. So it's just a fool's errand to it's running east, looking for a sunset. Uh, eventually, we have to just meet that reality and see, like, okay, well, then the alternative is: can I just be and relax into this moment as it is right now? And what's it asking for me? Oh, it needs a boundary. Actually, I don't. I, I can. I can just be with this as it is. Oh, there's some pain. I could resist it, or I could soften into it. And in that way, we just take a moment as a snapshot of, of our life and just go, what's the best way to relate to this right now? Um, and it can really be simplified and, and curiosity can drop us in in that way. And then just when thinking about 2021, curiosity can help us expand. It's playful. It, it, it wants to know more. It wants to like move beyond us. And so you can ask yourself, if like, okay, 2020 has happened. Where am I at in this journey? Like, what do I feel like I need right now? Drop that question into your awareness. And then ask like, what do I want 2021 to look like? Where where do I feel inspired to explore? And then you know, questions are beautiful because the mind will search for answers. So so find some questions that in- inspire you, and uh, and and see where the mind goes when you give it that space to be curious. I love it, and yeah. I also love what you just said: running east, looking for a sunset. So I just I love that. Um, just love the whole concept of that. So. In 2021, I think you have a meditation retreat planned, right? Mm, yeah. Um, well, yeah, we'll cross our fingers. But you know, the folks that listen in, some of them have a meditation practice, but they've never been to a retreat before. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people don't meditate at all. So you know, we're moving where everyone's at their own point on this journey, right? So for those that haven't been to a retreat before, and I know certainly your life as a monk. Uh, you've you've done other meditation retreats in your in your journey as well. What's that experience like? Yeah, for someone who hasn't been, how would you describe it? Um, infinite permutations. <laughs> <laughs> so so much of it is just contingent upon like what's going on in your life at that moment, and your past really does become the 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 platform and the foundation for doing the work of being in the present moment. Cause it's just like the momentum of everything that has preceded this moment is like what we're working with. So when we say we're not our past, there's truth to that. And that like you have an ability to choose how you'll relate to this moment, independent of what has happened. And it's also 100% false because you can make the argument that everything that has arisen right now is 100% dependent on what has come before, before us. And so with that in mind, like a, a retreat, and all the different variations they could take. Like I have online retreats, in-person retreats, and then you could do like the deep silent retreats like yes. I did in Burma. You know, there's all different levels of it um, and different things arise in them. But they're kind of like a pressure cooker. 
in in the best of of uh, senses, or or you could think of it as a sauna. Where well, let's let's stay with the pressure cooker. And yeah. that Like you're you're asking yourself to stay present to a lot of things that you would typically turn away from thoughts, emotions, sensations. A lot of times it's just easy where a, a, um, a, a difficult emotion might arise, like confusion about like, what should I be doing with my life? It's like, oh God, that feels like way too much to figure out with so many consequences. Like, can't think about that right now. Um, but on retreat, when the, when the commitment is just like, we're just going to follow like what's here moment to moment to moment, not force ourselves into awareness because that, that's a form of violence, but just like follow like, okay, but what do we need right now? What's here right now? What's here right now? And if that curiosity is there to continue to stay with it uh, as happens on a retreat, those things arise that are typically beneath the surface that again are like little pulses of truth like moving through us like some it's not like we're conjuring up things that we're just making out of thin air it's like something's moving through us that needs to be addressed in some way and we get to we get to hold it and see like okay what is this about what is this trying to tell me what's beneath the surface um, and so some really radical things can arise for people where it's just like Ooh, I, I this was a thing that really clarified what I needed to do next to my work work or it got me super aligned with like the part of me that I've always uh, that I used to trust deeply but I've been so inundated with thoughts and stories and other people's ideas and years of conditioning that I've just been disconnected from it um, and so the, there can be a realignment in a massive way but then also just basic practical mental skills such as like uh, you know how to notice those thoughts uh, thoughts moving through us and and relate to them in different ways. Like one of them could be like, yeah, we watch them like clouds pass through the sky. Cool. Another could be like, oh yeah, I actually need to listen to that thought. It's telling me something. Another could be like, yeah, not right now. Like actually, uh, this is just mental chatter. It's it's uh, because I haven't really trained my mind and like how to redirect the attention right here to find a little bit more stillness and groundedness and clarity. And so a retreat is a simultaneous like development of new skills and, and techniques and optimization of mind and heart um, and also like unwinding deep tension and conditioning in the mind and in the body. So it's um, so in, in many ways, like a reset button in that regard. Very cool. It could be the most therapeutic few days. Uh, obviously, it can be emotionally charged. Yeah. But, you know, if we can stay with our emotions, it can be, it can open many portals to living a much fuller life. So I, I yeah. love it. Well, you know, for those that are listening, haven't been, I'm going to, I'll, I'll link your, your webpage where your retreat information is there. And hopefully, fingers crossed, it could be, if it's not in person, it, it can be a very great virtual experience. So uh, as we all serve. Yeah, yeah, there is one in February that that's already going to be virtual on self-compassion. Okay. So, uh, all right, cool. Yeah, it'd be awesome. great to have folks there. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be terrific. Well, I want to sort of end our conversation with a couple of different, like maybe quick questions. Sure. One big thing that I love to talk about is just resilience. It's part of my story. Mm. How would you define resilience? How would you finish the sentence? Resilience all comes down to what, in your opinion? Resilience all comes down to viewing this moment as the beginning of what will come next. <laughs> I, I think it, it's a matter of, and where that's coming from, is it, it's a matter of meeting this moment with total honesty and recognition of like, what's happened has happened, it's here. And because of that, 
this is the beginning of the rest of my life. Like, it can't go back and change that. And so if I see that as the beginning, it's like the story is still to be written. And it's that willingness to show up with curiosity, with humility, and try again. And and um, and I think that starts with with seeing like this moment is the beginning of what's going to come, what's going to come next. I don't know if that sounds too cliche as it's coming out of my no, mouth. No, it's but... one of the best answers I've received. So <laughs> I, I love it. Um, I can, with my own personal story of resilience, I can so relate to that. That it's. Each time we fall down is the close of one chapter. Each time we get back up, it's the start of a new one. And yeah. hopefully with more wisdom. And and then we grab onto something important. You know, to me, for for me, it's like we grab onto our breath. If we have nothing else to grab onto, we can grab onto our breath as a way to pull ourselves back up. Yeah. Um, and then we then we can see things a little bit more clearly. So in terms of following people and and gaining wisdom yourself, are there things you're reading folks you're listening to maybe other things you might be watching that you think others might be interested in also doing the same yeah you know lately i've been not going through as many books and podcasts as i usually do i i've been really interested in cultivating more intuitive guidance i think anyone that has you know sometimes found themselves in a, a situation where they need to make a really important decision um but like in a space of confusion of of what to do next has sort of seen the the limitations of sometimes internal resources to navigate life it's just like I got, I, I've got nothing. I have no idea what to, do I stay in this relationship? Do I leave? Do I take this job? Do I not? Do I take the promotion? It's just like nothing. And, um, and I found myself in a, a position like that recently where it's just like, wow, I really don't know. Like I can't pro con my way into an answer on this. I can't cost benefit analysis. It. Yes. And, um, and so a lot of the exploration that I'm doing is coming from two teachers, uh, Megan Cowan and Chris McKenna. And they run like a small little shop thing. So it's not like you're going to find a Tony Robbins kind of website. Um, but their, their stuff is, uh, it's called risingfalling.com. Um, and I'm going through their, in, a lot of their intuitive guidance readings. And, uh, and, uh, and for me, it's just, it's a lot of just feeling like dropping in, grounding myself and then asking questions of such as like, what should I do in this situation? Or, or being more specific of like, uh, is this the right thing? And then watching how my body responds. Is there, is, is there openness? Is there a contraction? Um, and is there a voice that arises, a yes or a no? And it's a really subtle form of intelligence. Some listening might be very familiar with this and really in touch with this. Um, but you know, when you're for someone that can spend a lot of time in thinking, and I, I have a lot of respect for the critical thinking mind, uh, sometimes that that other voice can be lost, especially when it's telling you something that seems to go against everything that the pro-con list is, is saying you should do. So what is it like to to listen to that and then to follow that with just like an uncompromising commitment? And and that's really what I've been interested in lately. Um, and so if, if anyone wants to read more about some of that, just you go to risingfalling.com or .co uh, and you could read more there. And, and th- in addition to that, just... Uh, reading a lot about the menstrual cycle. <laughs> my, 
my partner is a, a sexuality educator and um and uh, I talk about the the wisdom of the menstrual cycle in in my book, um, but in the context of cycles. And I, I think one of the interesting things we're like we're seeing right now is just we're we're, we're being asked to drop back into some of our our rhythms. A lot of us have now been able to like explore what's it like to to go to sleep without an alarm clock, and like sleep patterns are shifting, and I can organize my day differently because I'm at home. Um, and and I, I think a natural intelligence is arising for a lot of us of just like hey, you know what now doesn't feel like work time and we have the sometimes we have the choice to 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 do that um, and um, and so the menstrual cycle work has just been like a, a like this built in cycle that um, has been part of fifty percent of people's experience for however long, but is, you know, is not looked at with wisdom in the same way. There's a, a very often negative narrative around it or just something to be managed or hushed, hushed. Um, and yet it's like, there's actually each stage of that, these different seasons of that cycle have their own t- intelligence and can direct uh, a woman in a, in a particular way with a particular wisdom. And, um, uh, and so I'm just really fascinated by uh, just all the different cycles that we kind of like have to put into the box uh, and, and stow away because it's like, well, I got the nine to five and I have to show up a certain way each day. And what would a different kind of society look like that, that honors these cycles? Uh, so the book, book, if you're interested in going into some of that, um, would be Wild Power by uh, Shawnee Wurlitzer and Alexandra Pope. It's, it's just brilliant and eye-opening and um, will we'll expand a lot of constructs. Yeah, no, it's great. Well, my, um, my wife is a childbirth doula, oh. so I know a lot about the birthing process Amazing. and just the, the power of the body and just this, this, the strength, the strength of women mm-hmm. to go through, <laughs> to go through that process. Yeah, and I, I do think like this moment, not not for everyone, because again, it's a shared experience, but we're all going through it a bit differently. That there's so many people that have been able to get back in touch with like who they are in their body, and to to feel for the first time. And to your point, like going to sleep without an alarm and and getting into a different rhythm when it comes to work and just a, a healthier, there's so many people that feel healthier, which is, you know, a little odd considering that this all started with a health crisis, but they're healthier, they're more in tune with who they are. It gives me a lot of optimism for what we can create going forward. Uh, I don't think we can go back. Elvis and normal left the building probably back in April and the toothpaste is out of the tube or any different analogy you want to use. So I'm encouraged that since so many people have gone through this, that more will continue to go through that. And we can we can change how we show up for one another. So uh, one uh, other question I have for you. So the charity that you have listed down that we're going to make a contribution to is Brighter Tomorrows. And I would love for you to share just a brief moment, a uh, brief description of the work that they do. So to bring their work to life. Yeah, it's a charity that my aunt uh, has been working with and um, they just help uh, survivors of domestic violence or who are currently surviving, but not much um, transition into into safer places. And um, if anyone here has experienced this or knows someone who experiences this, it's a very hard transition to make. And, and um, 
when you've been a receiver of of that traumatization. There are so many reasons why it doesn't feel possible to leave or why you don't have the resources to do it. And and they primarily focus on um, helping supply the resources for those who are currently surviving um, but need help. Uh, so it, it it feels like a really uh, powerful and um, and is a, a really powerful service that they're offering, especially around the holidays. Thank you for bringing it to our attention. It's such important work. My my oldest did work in college for those uh, suffering through uh, domestic abuse and on campus violence, and so it's um, it's something that as a family we're really committed to. And so I'm I'm really I'm really grateful that you brought it to my attention and honored to make a, at least a small contribution to them in your name. Oh, thank you. It'll be so appreciated. No problem. So Corey, how do people find you if they want to learn a little bit more about you? Uh, Instagram, I post several times a day there. Uh, so a lot of my teachings can be found there at Corey Mascara. Uh, I have a daily podcast called Practicing Human, five to 15 minute segments to me talking about different topics. Um, and and that you know, there's no ads on that. It's just like pure free content for for anyone. So um, and there's close to 300 episodes right now. So if you really, if anything I've said resonates and you want to go deeper, that would be the place to start. And then I, I teach on an app called Mindfulness.com. Uh, so if you want my meditations, uh, you could check that out, and you could go to Mindfulness.com forward slash Corey for uh, to to register or get a discounted rate. Yeah, those would be the main places for now. Awesome. Love it. Well, we'll be sure to make sure for sure everyone follows and checks in. And But I want to thank you. Um, I, I remember the first time we met, we were in the city. Your book was due to come out. You were up on stage. I was in the audience. And I was like, there's something about this guy. And because, you know, a lot of times when people are up on stage, I don't necessarily follow up with them. But, you know, this goes back over a year ago. And I was like, there's something about that guy. And then so when we decided to dive into being present and presence in our leadership academy this month, you were the first name I thought of. So I was like, I need a good book on it. And I was like, I got to go back to Corey's book. And so I'm glad you wrote it. I'm glad you are who you are and your journey and you brought your work to life. And really thankful that you decided to join us today and share more of your story. So thank you, sir. Thanks so much, Michael. It's a gift and a privilege. No problem. Have a good one. I hope you loved our conversation with Corey. I did. He's such a great guy with beautiful energy and so much wisdom. So as I mentioned up front, I hope you connect with him outside of the Kintsugi podcast, listen to his podcast, perhaps follow him on Instagram. I loved what he said around like stopping this whole thing of like running east to find a sunset. To have the life that we want to have, we have to be aware. We almost have to, as we've talked about in the past, pause, breathe, and reflect so we can slow down. And in some ways, when we slow down, our aperture opens up and it allows us to go faster. Sort of the whole concept that slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So again, I hope you check him out. I hope you make him part of your Peloton to navigate what will be another crazy one for the books. 2021 will be full of surprises. We'll be up and down, twisting and turning. But you know what? We'll do it together. I firmly believe you got this. I got you and we got each other. And we'll get through this 
one pedal stroke at a time. But I know we can get through this in better shape with more energy if we can do it with more presence so we can be fully awake to this wonderful gift called life. Now, as I mentioned up front too, if you're looking for more guidance in the new year, if you're a corporate warrior, I highly encourage you to drop me a line and let's talk about the Leadership Academy so you can create the life that you want, have the career that you want. And as I'd like to say, be wealthy starting from the inside out. And if you want to learn more, you can go to kintsugipodcast.com or michaelobryan.com. Check it out there, drop me a line, and we can have a conversation. So again, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the Kintsugi Podcast and sharing it with your friends. Again, I hope you loved our conversation with Corey. Again, check him out, follow him. And until next week's conversation about resilience, I hope you have fun storming the castle. And of course, remember to pause, breathe, and reflect. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.